Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast. For the first time in 2023, Robbie Triano, my colleague from Sirius XM and the Midwest Madness podcast, joins us. The significance of the Big 12 and the Nash Championship, and we're going to dare to dream. What would it mean for TCU and the Big 12 to get a national championship in the college football playoff era? All that coming up next. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel on YouTube. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show on Twitter at LO Big 12. And you all can find Robbie Triano, who joins me today, at the Triano Kid. Robbie, we've made it. There is one game left in the college football season, and a Big 12 team is in it. TCU takes on Georgia next Monday night. I haven't talked to you very much since the game happened, so your thoughts, your emotions as you watch the Horn Frogs uh, take care of Michigan. And also, you're a Michigan State fan, so you double double the, uh, the happiness for you watching TCU beat Michigan. Yeah, it's funny, too, because I, I went back home from Michigan for the New Year's and Christmas, and I got to watch that game with all Michigan fans, and that's where I really got to realize nobody had an idea that TCU was this good. Like any casual person, every Michigan fan was like, that's a fluky win. They shouldn't have got it. We coughed it up. If we played 100 times, we would win 99, and they won that, that one time. I obviously I knew like how good TCU could be. So I'm laughing in the corner. I was literally the only person not rooting for Michigan in that room. So it was awesome because I do hate Michigan and anything Jim Harbaugh stands for. But yeah, this, this is something I don't think you and I ever expected to happen. I remember coming on this show. What was it like during both time or reflecting on the season saying, I don't know in the future of the big 12, if we have a national title, you know, contender that can compete every year. Proven wrong before we even have OU and Texas leave. This is amazing for the Big 12. This changes a lot of narratives. And honestly, I hope this changes a narrative for TCU or any school like a Kansas State or a Baylor or anyone like that. Because to the public eye, those are not the programs and universities that get talked about the most or the most praise or acclaim. Now TCU is saying, you know what, you have to respect us. You have to watch us. You have to care. You have to care about our stories. And I think what the Big 12 is currently doing right now is changing a lot of narratives. And that has kind of been the mantra of this season. I feel like the Big 12 has changed a lot of way people think about this conference this season. Yeah. And you mentioned like the it's not just your friends, Robbie, who don't know. People in the comments say stuff like they're scrappy. And like they're scrappy to a point, but like Quinn Johnston is not scrappy. Like yeah. watching Darius Davis run is not scrappy. Watching mm -hmm. Jamoy Hodge like take people's heads off is not like scrappy. Uh, Johnny Hodge is sure he's a big white dude, but gets a lot of tackles like calling scrappy. But like Trey Hodges Tomlinson, like just locked down corner, not scrappy. And it's funny, even the national media, you know, I've heard people call him Quentin Johnson, which is not his name. Uh, Emery D. Mercado. Uh, you know, people still don't Max Dugan, right? People still don't know these guys' names. They don't know how the team goes. And I was, I was even listening to some guys today, uh, one national podcast saying, "Does TCU have the weapons outside 
of Quentin Johnston to, you know, to, to get the job done. We just saw the backup running back go for a hundred yards on like 15, like 10, 15 carries, whatever it was against Michigan. Who has better wideouts than Georgia in this game, to be honest. Yeah, no, they did. Yes. Yeah. I know A. Smith just came back. Like, that's a huge, huge get. But, like, I was actually previewing the game. It'll be up tomorrow with Chris Gordy locked on SEC host. And I was talking, like, look, like, TCU's corners might get a little, a little bored because, like, sure, there is some vertical stuff in the passing game. But, like, this is a diverse Georgia passing offense that really isn't all, you know, it's, it can be diverse because they had some different guys. But, like, their, their strength is their tight ends and guys like Lad McConkey and, and Kenny McIntosh just get out of the backfield catching the football. Like, and, and so it's funny. Like, yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, I'm upset. People look at to see Darius Davis. You know, he had a, honestly one of the worst plays of the game. The ball had hit him square in the chest and he drops it. But like, guy can burn. Tay Barber, guy can burn. Right. Um, you know, both running backs. And then obviously Quentin Johnson and look, Savion Williams had a really quiet game. Hudson, the freshman's been really good. I've been saying a lot of this stuff and people still don't know. And I think what's interesting about this is that this, every single time a big 12 team does well, this will reoccur, not out of just disrespect, but Robbie, here's the reason why I think it's because it's going to be a different team more often than not. I think because the way we've watched this league, Baylor and Oklahoma State, right? And Oklahoma State, you know, I think the Iowa State game last year, like if they, if they get the uh, call in that game, and then also, um, you know, Baylor, they were feet away from winning. Like almost – they were two plays away pretty much from a perfect season, you could argue. Right. And that could have been a team last year, right? Not sure if they were good enough to win it all. But now we're seeing it again, right? Once again with a TCU team this year. And who knows who it will be in the following years. I tend to think UCF is going to be a absolute machine in a few years, just because of where they're located. A Florida team that's going to get access to Texas, that's going to play in Texas multiple times a year. Watch the hell out. It's got a massive alumni base too. But I think, because it's not going to be like, we're not going to get to know Georgia's players through three years of being in a championship game or, or, or Alabama's players. I think it's going to be a new team. And especially when we get to the 12 team playoff era, when we will see a big 12 team in the championship, uh, the, the playoff every single year, like it's going to be a different cast of characters. So buckle up for maybe the disrespect, but people just not knowing much about the teams. It's really interesting. You say that too, because shouldn't that be what every fan base wants? Don't like, if you're an sec fan, wouldn't you want a new team getting in every year, right. a new champion? Cause that sh- if you just have Alabama, Georgia winning every year, that also says something. It may not be true, but it will say the depth of your conference isn't very good. And if you just value, we want a national championship team. We want the best team in college football. Okay. But for me and all big 12 fans, I think that we can respect that you can turn on any game and love it. I think it's good for the big 12 to have a new team every year. I think TC is a team that can compete every single year, just because recruiting wise and coaching wise, they're going to be great. Yeah. But it's like a really interesting point. Like, why do is why would that be a bad thing if the Big 12 had a different right. team every year? And I, if you just want to watch Georgia and you want to watch Clemson or Ohio State or Michigan every year, great. I think it's an amazing story. And like, I am intrigued to see what the ratings of this game will be because we saw Michigan TCU that rated really well. How much of that goes to Michigan? Also, very intriguing as well. Side point TCU dominated the fans of that game. Like in the stadium, I understand geographically it's so much closer than Michigan, but Michigan has like one of the biggest alumni bases. 
And I thought TCU fans really showed out. So I'm really interested in the ratings of this game because Georgia is this amazing team. TCU is this amazing story with not a huge brand. Is that enough for people to tune in to be one of the best or highest rated college football games? I think it should be. I think there are so many great stories. Like this is just to me, what is great for college football. And if TCU wins, there's an argument that is the best case scenario for the health and prosperity of college football. I think there's no doubt about that. That TCU winning is, is the better case. The one, the one thing I'm wondering about now is really what I want to dive into is what does that mean? What is it? What would a championship mean for the big 12? Because, you know, even with a win or even even, even with their win over Michigan, you look back at what happened in the K-State game. You look at the way, and this 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 will matter. I, I think this does matter. The way Oklahoma's teams were were smacked, right? Like there is a certain style of football that the Big 12 was playing, and Oklahoma was the best at it. And they made three playoffs and got smacked in two of them, lost a close one in one of them. Um, but like, you know, does the Big 12 really need this championship? Do they need this because all they have right now is that one win against Michigan. And will people start going back to discounting the league? You know, it'll be one nice week and Michigan, it was a fluke and Harbaugh was focused in the NFL or, you know, like does the big 12 really need this to be like, no, no, it was not a fluke. Stop acting like it was because it's been a whole lot of Michigan botched it. And I don't believe that's true because I think TCU botched it just as much with their turnovers and their kind of the, some of the mistakes they made in the game. Um, yeah, I, I think like, I'm afraid of that narrative. I am really, I'm really afraid of that. And that's kind of the way national media can work. I mean, we already saw it the other day with, uh, Jim Harbaugh choking it away. And like, I, I don't know if that necessarily attracts, especially with whether they beat Ohio state the last two years. Here, here's the spin zone. If let's say TCU loses by three touchdowns to Georgia, I don't see that happening, but if they did. Paul Feinbaum, when he made that clip saying no one's going to watch a Big 12 title, he literally said, I don't think TCU can beat a team like Georgia. In fact, they would lose by multiple touchdowns. You will see Paul Feinbaum on the TV saying, I was right all along. I knew it. Michigan, fluky game. Jim Harbaugh was looking at the NFL the entire time. TCU not only needs to win this game, but if they don't, it needs to be very, very, very close because this can change the narrative for the entire conference as a whole if TCU can win. As soon as OU and Texas left to the SEC or announced they were, everyone said this conference was for dead. I even said there's not a national championship type of team here. This is proving what we see, you and I, with our eyeballs every single time we watch this league. There is great damn football on this league that doesn't get the credit it deserves They need to get that so people can be like, you know what? We should actually respect this conference. We should respect the football. And when it comes to Brett Yormark, I would go back to the negotiating table and be like, you know that, you know that uh, those numbers you gave us, they were good. They were healthy. I think we need a little bit more. And I think that's honestly why the Big 12 hasn't exactly like the Big 12 hasn't made an announcement on their own end on the TV side. We've just seen it from the sports business journal or ESPN reports. It's not necessary to me. It doesn't feel like it's completely locked in. If I'm Brett Yormark, I'm being like, okay, well, we just won, you know, the national championship with TCU when there was Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. You have 28 year old, 35 year old Stetson Bennett, who has won a national championship against all these great coaches. A first year coach did this. 
that could be throughout the league the entire time. And also, just like Brett Yormark couldn't have picked a better year to be the Big 12 commissioner because right. I don't think a lot of this is like because of him. TCU isn't good because of him. But like he just found the perfect time to come and it's all working for him. And uh, yeah, I, I think if the Big 12 can win, the narrative around this conference can change in so many different ways. So well, it would be, it, it mentioned, it goes back to the thing of like it being good for the sport if TCU would win, right? Um, and look, stars matter. Like, I think the one thing I'm thinking about in this game, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. I mean, if both those, if Darnell Washington plays, like, I don't know what TCU is going to do with those two guys. I don't, I've got no clue. I've got absolutely no clue. I'm sure Joe Gillespie's got some ideas. They're probably good ideas. They might not matter because of how tough it is for three, three fives to defend two tight ends, especially two tight ends like that. I mean, Darnell Washington's an absolute tank. Um, and Brock Bowers is, you know, maybe the best player in the country. I think people, you know, there's, there's that belief out there. So, you know, that stuff matters, but there has to be a conversation about, about what happened, like about the way that you can make a championship game like this, the circumstances that have to happen for, for a team like TCU to make it. And don't get it like, don't get it twisted here. TCU is a talent deficit, but it's not like they've got no talent at all. We mentioned all the skill players. Like, those guys are really good. Max Duggan deserved to be number two in the Heisman race. And I understand it's a season where the Heisman race was down, but like he still deserved it. The guy dealt with the pressure of Michigan, like extremely well. He's a, he was the better quarterback in that game. I think it was pretty clear. Those numbers weren't amazing, but I thought he was a better quarterback with the way, you know, things turned out, uh, you know, all in all, that was a five-star guy. So it's, Talent matters, but it's got to be coached and developed the right way. And if you develop the right amount of talent in a certain way, like this defense is not amazing. It's not an amazing defense, but they're in a championship game. And like that, there are ways to do it. Now, you know, if you're lining up like a Kansas state against like, against like a Bryce young and the guys with speed like that, like, yeah, it could be really, really difficult. Cincinnati had the same thing last year, right? Cincinnati put the third most players into the NFL last year and still, they could not beat an Alabama, right? They just they they were on basically three man front, and they got run over. Alabama had not run the ball super effectively all year. They were able to against against Cincinnati, and, and I think that is something we have to we have to focus on here. Is like, okay, what are the circumstances needed? Because there will be more Big Twelve teams in the playoff. We know that a twelve team playoff. There will be Big Twelve teams that get that get beat, and some of them will get beat pretty badly. Uh, that that will happen. That will occur again in the modern football playoff era. I think the one thing I'm trying to focus on here is like, how do we get away from TCU as a one-off and now we're back to the big 12 teams showing up every, like, because if you take out this TCU win, Robbie, the narrative would be, and just to say it was a loss. All right. Whatever big 12 team is going to show up at the end of the year, they're going to take their lashings. Uh, and, and that'll be the end of it. And that's what we have to move off of. I mean, hell, maybe even, maybe even a win doesn't erase that. Right. People might just say that was a special case. Georgia was a bit down because they had Stetson Bennett and maybe the 2021 Georgia team was better, but that's what, that's what I'm afraid of in all this situation. And I know I should just be happy about TCU being there, but I can't because I'm thinking about the image of the con. I'm almost like a press guy. I'm like a PR guy here. Yeah. But I think people have to understand where you and I are coming from. And I mentioned this a bunch, but like, I was afraid for my job. I was afraid for my job when we heard Texas and Oklahoma were leaving. Cause it's like, what other conferences will sniff around? We have eight teams left. Will anybody want to put these eight teams on television? Will SiriusXM cancel the channel you and I work on? Will the Locked On Big 12 podcast even matter anymore? Those things are income. You know, Midwest Madness podcast might not ever even happen. And so, like, 
I know it's almost like we're pom-poms Big 12, but when our livelihoods were so tied to it, it's hard not to be. And that's why I'm so concerned about what future narratives can be. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this question on Big 12 today. Like, is TCU, is this season like a fluke? Like, is this a type of season that is just a complete outlier? Like, you can't really, like, like what first-year head coach inherits a, a team that everyone saw as bad, really good, had a lot of special people on this team. But what this team has and what needs to be the formula, you need really good offensive line play, and you need stars. You, and not, I'm not, I mean, stars and, like, five or four stars. I mean, like, players, Star players. who are stars like tcu i think at every single level like every position group i think has a player who is a star i have max duggan you have kendra miller and then behind him imani demarcano is just like on he was so good in that game and like i've we've seen that this whole year he's kind of like this bulldozer like type of player at running back you have quentin johnston you have the winners. You have Travis Hodges Tomlinson. You have Johnny you have- Hodges. Dylan Horton. Oh, my God. Becoming a star right before our eyes right now on the defensive line. So they're proving that, like, you need to, like, if you have this type of year. And that's why last year Baylor could have had this type of year. Um, quarterback-wise, I don't think they were there. But they had those type of pieces throughout the entire team. But right now, I think the biggest dis- difference maker for TCU and, like, any Big 12 team, really, when it comes to success they have amazing offensive line play, and that has opened up everything for them. That has allowed them to do so many different things. Running the ball, you have to respect the run. You have to respect their pass. They are just good on every single level, and I, I hope that the Big 12 can not only recruit to that type of level moving forward, you have to be able to address that in the transfer portal. TCU got 13 players in the portal last year. Without that, their defense wouldn't be not as good as all, like like not as good as this at all. So it, I I I think I don't think this is a fluke by TCU at all. I think they are very very good. But for the Big Twelve, is this sustainable? Could we have a team like that every year? I I, I don't know because even in this game, we're going to see like a talent difference up front. Like we're talking about how good TCU's offensive line is. They've never faced a defense like this ever. No in the big 12 and not even Michigan, Michigan could barely get to Max Duggan. That was, well, that was, I, I think the one thing about that aspect and I've mentioned this and I, I think it's going to be especially true. Michigan, Michigan did not appear. Uh, they did not appear motivated or, or coming in thinking that TCU is ready to match their physicality. TCU yeah. pushed them around. TCU did on both fronts. They pushed Michigan around and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of clips on Twitter of them just pushing guys out of the way. This was a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. And TCU took that and was not intimidated by that. And they they basically said, all right, let's see. We'll, we'll see. And the 3-3-5, I know they brought, once again, a lot of, brought a lot of pressure. They had a guy in Dylan Horton get four sacks, force fumble, right? Um, that's pretty impressive to have that happen. They were opening up some pretty big gaps in the running game, right? They were very effective running the football. Kirby Smart's defense will not... Uh, they will not come in either side of the ball. They will not undersell TCU. I can promise you that's not going to happen. Right. And so TCU, that means that they're going to have to elevate. They're going to have to elevate. But Robin, what I will, will say about this formula, right? The, you know, there's so many things that go into it. The coordinators matter so much. Sonny Dykes nailed the coordinator hires. And look, 
it's it's not impossible to do, right? It's not a hundred percent impossible to do. I think this formula is repeatable, but we're just not was not going to be every year, right? I think it's going to be like every three or four, maybe even five years, because it takes the right type of star players, like you mentioned. I would say the three big transfers for them are at center, or at linebacker, and at safety, right? And I would say the coach they had the coach the right attitude. They had a quarterback who was old and experienced enough, and they nailed the coordinator hires. But there are, but in modern college football, I'd argue to Robbie, there are multiple situations that you could see playing out. Not saying twelve and 0, 13 and or, you know thirteen and one now. Not saying like that. But in terms of a composite team, I could see it playing out the way you could build a team like that, and you could do it in this conference. Yeah, and there's that like mantra like, "Do stars matter?" Like obviously they matter like you look at tcu is an amazing they're not going to crush that recruiting is very important and getting the top talent is important they are an outlier really i think they are they are showing how important it is to develop but we talk about like the best coaching and like i think tcu is the best coaching in the entire big 12 who else is close to that right now i would say kansas state i would say that's very good i would say kansas but they don't have the talent at all um Baylor is there but this was kind of a disappointing year like what staff is even close to TCU right now in the Big 12 I think there are some that are very good but I think right now Garrett Riley Joe Gillespie Sonny Dykes like that is even Kaz Kazadi like as their strength and conditioning coach like they have I think the best staff in the Big 12 and it's not close right now even with OU in Texas yeah I I think they they nailed it and and Sonny's demeanor I think is, is the perfect thing for it and we'll see how repeatable it is. We, re- we really will. Um, Robbie, do you have a prediction for this game? I, I was going to bring this up, too, because TCU has found a way to win in literally any way possible. They have, against Oklahoma early in the year, blown them out. They have, against Oklahoma State, come back and win in overtime. They have played Kansas State, were losing, got a few chances, capitalized on them we see against Baylor they just they just kept punching back and then found a way to win with that game-winning field goal which is still my favorite moment of the whole season and then even against Kansas State where they lost they just kept fighting back and to me I think that is an amazing experience for everyone on that team because there's never been a point where they panicked this year ever and that's really important And they're going against a team that can cause a lot of panic in Georgia. And like, even though they get so much credit for their defense, their offense is a top 10 offense statistically. And like, I don't think they get a lot of credit for them. They're facing the best team that they have, they have played and probably will play TCU uh, in program history, this game right here. Sorry, Rob. Oh, go go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What is your prediction? My prediction for this. Let's go 35-32 Georgia. I think it's going to be close, but I don't Ooh. I don't know if TCU has it. I'm saving mine for our for our Friday show. Uh, I will say this. The TCU fans have, have kept asking me to pick against them because I said it normally goes well when I do. So uh, I might oblige them one more time in that. Uh, all right, Robbie, where can people find, find you and your work in all of its variety? You can find me. Big 12 basketball is back. Conference play is here. Midness wet. Min. Uh, the Midwest Madness podcast is also back. So you can follow that at MW underscore Madness 12 on Twitter. You can follow our feed, right, like, and 
rate five stars, whatever. I'm used to this whole podcast thing. And you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at the Triano Kid. All right. Once again, Robbie Triano, Sirius XM Midwest Madness Podcast. Appreciate your time. Hopefully, we're talking about a TCU Horn Frogs win next week. I hope so too. Thanks, Josh.